You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. We've got some midweek follow-up, the latest on Operation Leak the Analyst, firmware spyware and down-market phones, Sweden's big breach, and Ukraine's new cyber friends. BrickerBot is back, offering Indian routers and modems unwelcome help. The U.S. Senate considers IoT security legislation, and the U.S. Justice Department issues a framework with guidelines for bug-hunting programs. Bitcoin's hard fork occurred yesterday. And why do people care about the HBO hack? It's not just because winter is coming. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, August 2nd, 2017. Today we follow up on some stories that have been developing over the past few days. FireEye confirms again that its own systems weren't penetrated by hacker group 31337 in Operation Leak the Analyst. But the company has disclosed that information about two customers was exposed in the successful hack of a Mandiant Analyst's own accounts. The company is working with the affected customers. Amazon is stopping sales of low-cost Android phones produced by Blue Products, citing researchers' discovery of spyware in the phone's firmware. Observers worry that the HBO hack involving Game of Thrones, among other properties, will prove a bellwether, a cheap way for a hacking group to gain publicity. Another note on pirated shows. They're usually obtained from BitTorrent, which in recent months has become, as ESET points out, a notoriously malware-laden way of getting content. Resist the urge to go there just to find out early what's happening in Game of Thrones. We can assure you of one thing. Winter is coming. Sweden's government continues to scramble to lock down sensitive data in the wake of a long-standing and botched outsourcing of transport ministry information. Two members of the government have been forced out. They held the interior and infrastructure portfolios, and more may follow. The investigation of the incident has now spread to six state agencies, and remediation is not expected to be complete until sometime next month. Several members of the cabinet are also said to have been aware of the problem, but kept the prime minister in the dark for 18 months. Expert opinion tends to see the episode as indicating government officials' gross naivete with respect to information security. Ukraine, facing continued Russian pressure in cyberspace and a guttering hybrid war on the ground, is also beefing up its defenses, probably with a significant degree of Western help, and help from countries in the near abroad, especially Moldova, in which Ukraine has developed a close and valued cyber intelligence sharing relationship. 
From the West, help is arriving mostly from the UK and the US, with forensic and cyber law enforcement expertise among the first support to arrive. Russia isn't pleased with such cozying up to its adversaries, and relations with the US in particular have become frosty. US Secretary of State Tillerson recently warned Moscow that US-Russian relations could get worse, and they just did. There's that famous quote attributed to bank robber Willie Sutton. When asked, why do you rob banks? He replied, that's where the money is. And these days, the same could be said for financial institutions and cyber attacks. David Murray is chief business development officer at Corval, providers of streaming real-time analytics, and he provides us with some insights on the challenges facing financial institutions. First of all, you have criminal activity. That's a big driver of of ransomware. Data is important. Uh, There's tremendous amount of financial data held by financial organizations and therefore uh, about individuals. And so if you're able to access that information, provides uh, attackers a, a treasure trove of information that they can use for for other attacks you'll see that you know obviously wherever there's there are banks and money there's there's liable to be to be greed somewhere nearby and there's certainly a fair number of hacktivists who get involved and uh, and take a righteous approach that that they may be able to embarrass a bank or look at at huge disparities in pay between senior executives and and employees at, at banks and whatnot you have in some cases espionage as a risk to bank, both in terms of key deals that the bank may be working. Uh, so for merger and, ac- merger and acquisition or, or investment banking activity, that would be extremely valuable, uh, as well as just understanding key accounts and, and key targets. Um, and then you've got nation state attackers. So banks are, are very much a critical infrastructure of, of any, any nation. And so if you're able to, to disrupt the banks, then you're, you're able to ultimately trigger a result, uh, an outcome that, that may be deemed successful. And you know, as you say, we certainly hear about the high-profile stories. We hear when millions of dollars get stolen and so forth. But I, I guess, as with many things, we don't hear the stories about the successful defense, about the, the theft that is thwarted. Um, can you give us some perspective on that? How do the financial services do overall? I think they're among the most sophisticated security teams in the industry. I mean, they have to be because they are such a target. And so your point is a good one. There are countless, countless critical saves that uh, that are accomplished by financial services security teams. You know, it's not unusual for it to be very cyclical with with security while there is a constant stream of attacks and threats across whether it's through credit card fraud or market disruption drivers or someone stealing credentials to log into a uh, a brokerage account and then there is just the constant bombardment uh, of attacks against against overall financial services infrastructure the financial services community uh, has has done a pretty good job in the past of of being able to to pool as a community and at least share information about common attacks that are hitting them at a given period of time. The access and the cost of launching a successful cyber attack is only dropping over time, and that that's certainly driving an increase in supply. The same technologies that allow cybersecurity professionals to look, manage more data and be able to try to identify anomalies are the same technologies that are being used or the same, the same core technology capability that, uh, that, that bad actors are using to, 
to attack. And uh, they have a surface which is far more variable, which is uh, social engineering uh, and working through individuals. So that will continue. And they'll continue to use machine learning to, to test different models and, and approaches for compromise. That's David Murray from Corville. Brickerbot is back, its author claiming responsibility for an attack on modems and routers in India. Brickerbot sees itself as a positive vigilante operation, hitting poorly secured Internet of Things devices and, as its name implies, bricking them, rendering them inoperable before they can be roped into larger, dangerous botnets. Brickerbot's victims have not generally welcomed its ministrations, so it's difficult to count Brickerbot among the good guys, whatever its intentions may be. A better approach to IoT security may be embodied in a bipartisan bill introduced this week in the U.S. Senate. The Internet of Things Cybersecurity Improvement Act of 2017 seeks to incentivize good security by requiring vendors to meet certain baseline IoT security standards before they can sell to the U.S. government. The principal sponsors are Senators Mark Warner of Virginia and Cory Gardner of Colorado, the co-chairs of the Senate Cybersecurity Caucus joined by Senators Ron Wyden of Oregon and Steve Daines of Montana. The legislation's core provisions would require vendors to ensure their devices can be patched, that they use industry-standard protocols, and that they contain neither hard-coded passwords nor known vulnerabilities. The bill's provisions include protections for legitimate security researchers, something other legislation is often thought to have overlooked. Supporters see it as an improvement over what Senator Wyden calls the overly broad legislation currently in effect, notably the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act and the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. Under the new legislation, white hats would be specifically protected from prosecution under those two laws. Concern about exposure to prosecution also motivated the U.S. Department of Justice to issue a framework with guidelines for setting up vulnerability disclosure programs, including bug bounties. The goal, Justice says, is to substantially reduce, quote, the likelihood that such described activities, that is, vulnerability research and responsible disclosure, will result in a civil or criminal violation of law under the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act, end quote. Bitcoin's hard fork occurred yesterday, as expected, splitting into Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. If the latter smaller currency is successful, observers see positive competition. They also see jockeying for the legacy of legendary Bitcoin creator Satoshi Nakamoto, wherever Nakamoto-san may be. Satoshi, give us a call. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. 
Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Robert M. Lee. He is the CEO at Dragos. Uh, Robert, we were talking, of course, with you about ICS attacks, and I thought we'd address some basics here. Uh, how do ICS attacks happen, particularly here in the United States? Yeah, great question. So when the industry and, and sort of what I'll call sort of the larger IT security industry has historically evaluated intrusions, uh, one of the models that a lot of people use is the uh, cyber kill chain and this idea of stepping through the, the steps that an adversary can take. And it's not really about predicting every possible step they're going to do. It's really about clumping things together in a structured schema and you know, data into buckets that people can analyze and draw knowledge from. And in an IT, a lot of what we hear is called cyber attacks are really just intrusions or espionage or, or theft, right? I break into a bank and I steal a lot of, uh, of credit cards. Well, it's not really an attack. You didn't lose availability of your systems and, and you didn't have destruction uh, you know, take place. But obviously it's very personal and so companies call it attacks. In industrial control systems, though, the type of systems that run our power grids and water facilities and oil and gas companies, there's nuance there about what an attack actually means. And, and to be an attack in an ICS, it really needs to manipulate or disrupt or potentially destroy the industrial process or its equipment. Um, we've seen uh, Stuxnet in 2010 physically destroy centrifuges. We saw uh, in 2015 and in 2016 a cyber attack disrupt the electric grid in, in Ukraine. So there's nuance in what that means. And, and when we look at how it happens in industrial environments, we usually refer to the ICS cyber kill chain, and it and it goes to show that the IT kill chain that, that most use is just the first stage of an attack. The second stage is where the adversaries have to develop specific knowledge or tradecraft or capabilities like malware, uh, test it out, re-deliver into the industrial environment, and actually execute that specific attack. Um, one piece of malware developed for... Uh, a petrochemical process is not really going to be able to disrupt in a high confidence way uh, a nuclear enrichment process. We have very, very specific environments. So I would say that what we generally see in the media and what we generally hear about is that first stage. And the question is always in our mind of, is it going to go to that second stage? Are the adversaries gathering the type of data in stage one that they would actually move to stage two? So to give you two examples, uh, in the United States, we heard a while ago about the breaches into the energy sector, and we heard about spear phishing emails being delivered to a nuclear site as well as a couple of power companies, about 14 in total. 
that is very interesting, but it's not an attack, and it didn't need all the alarmism that we saw. Uh, nobody was at risk. No industrial con- control systems were compromised. It was the business networks, the IT networks of those facilities. The The question is, what were they stealing? If it was you know, normal espionage inside those business networks, there's no indication they could go to a stage two. But on the converse, we see uh, discussions in the UK and Ireland about uh, maybe a similar, if not the same group, targeting uh, energy sites there but also targeting engineering firms, these third-party data source holders, where they have the physical layouts of the industrial environment, the engineering documentation, integration documents, and stealing those off. That's the type of stage one activity that gives us pause because that's the type of stage one espionage that you would need to facilitate a stage two. Not saying that it is going to happen. That's what we look for when we're looking for that nuance of when do we when do we really care about in a stage one impact and when do we think that a stage two is even possible. And that nuance is, is hard to capture sometimes, but um, that is a, at a high level a simple breakdown of really how ICS cyber attacks occur. All right. Robert M. Lee, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the CyberWire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.